This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. How's wedding planning? We could talk about that. What's the last thing you planned for your wedding? I'll tell you what, I've been married for almost a full calendar year and not planning a wedding is still my favorite thing about being married. (laughs) Welcome to Overdue, a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to get married to. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And what was the last thing? Last major thing we did was registering for things, which I don't think we've talked, I think we've talked about on air. Yes, what did you no. register for? Uh, What's your favorite, the- your favorite thing that you registered for? And then tell me a couple of the things that you registered for just because you needed more things on your registry. <laughs> okay. Well, I we registered for um, a new coffee machine. Like a coffee, just, just a coffee a machine. A coffee machine? <laughs> a coffee maker. A coffee robot. <laughs> well, I like it because it has an automatic off switch which our current one does not, uh, multiple times. Wait, so it'll just keep making coffee forever? No, it's just the burner stays on forever. So then when you like, so then when you leave a little bit of coffee in the pot and leave the burner on and leave town for like 10 hours to go shop for engagement rings and you come home and your whole apartment smells of burnt coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that wouldn't happen if you had already gotten married and registered for a new coffee machine. So I'm excited about that. Well, cart uh, following the horse following the cart, whatever. Yeah, the, a real whatever. sad, smelly horse following that cart. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and we register for luggage, which is cool. I definitely need new luggage. Um, everybody needs luggage. Yeah. So now we're. What's the, one that you registered for that like everybody doesn't register for? Or oh. do you have any of that stuff? Have, we, like luggage, ooh. everyone registers for like towels, uh, stand mixer. Which will change your kitchen life, but Laura's already got one. You have one. You have one already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, We registered for. It won't change uh, anything else about your life. It'll just change your kitchen life specifically. Yeah, I suppose. We registered for a couple (laughs) board games, which is cool because we like board games. Um, I think our friends Molly and Preston registered for a PlayStation Four. We registered for a slew of trivets. Because trivets are cool. I like trivets. I forget what trivets are. Trivets are like... It's like a medieval torture device. Yeah, basically. It's the thing you put... Send them to the trivets. (laughs) You're in rare form today. Uh, You you put it under stuff that's hot when you want to put it on a table. It's like the metal... Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. There's a... Well, I was real disappointed in Target because they had a bunch of like wooden matte trivet those are not trivets it's not trivets if you can't like hang it on your wall cool because it's like metal that's what i want when i think of trivets you want decorations slash it's trivets. it's simultaneous decoration and practicality andrew let's get on to the books this week it's spooktober we haven't even talked about getting spooked it's still spooktober a spooky registry <laughs> dying alone would be spooky oh, no. Ooh. What book? Yeah, are now we I got reading? now I got everybody scared. Great. Uh, this week we're dipping back into that choose your own adventure. Well, we're doing Ghost Train by uh-huh. Louise Monroe Foley. It's choose your own adventure book 120. When was it published? Um 1991. <laughs> <laughs> Did you also buy a used copy of this book? I did. It has a little barcode sticky on the back. I'm trying to... Mine is from a middle school. I'm trying to read the stamp. Oh, I just found a bookmark in mine. Ooh, nice. Uh, It's just a a picture of a forklift. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even a bookmark. Someone ripped it off of something else. Not to be used for large round bales, as this would create a hazardous condition. 
So, uh, yeah, we've done Choose Your Own Adventures before, and we've always had a good time, and we, we wanted to find a nice spooky one for uh, this month. We found one called Ghost Train, and I did not know that ghost trains are like a thing, Andrew. Did you know that? I didn't know anything about ghost trains. I just knew that the cover of this book is awesome. Well, that's true. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. It's like uh, a boy running from a ghost like, train. We're going to talk about it right now, I guess. He doesn't look like he's aware of the train. <laughs> He's, and he's holding a dog. He's holling a dog looking mildly surprised at something actually, off screen. The way the dog is positioned, it looks like he's holding a taxidermied dog. Like I don't I don't see how the dog would be in that like jumping pose. Yeah, if it I was don't a li- living dog. I don't think the dog could be in motion while the boy appears to be in motion. That right. wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what are you going to tell me about ghost trains? Well, I was going to tell you that G- Abe Lincoln has a ghost train that apparently runs on the anniversary of Lincoln's death. I thought you were going to tell me that it runs on, like, ghosts. <laughs> it probably does. <laughs> it runs on spectral energy. But it runs on the same tracks that bore Lincoln's body home from D.C. Okay. Like, apparently, uh, watches and clocks in the surrounding area are said to stop during the ghostly procession. And they're found, and they're rumored to be found five to eight minutes behind after it passes, because they stopped. Right? Spooky watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else you got? Uh, I got that there. This is the only other thing I got. There's a train called the St. Louis Light or the mm-hmm. St. Louis Ghost Train that is not in Missouri. It's in Saskatchewan, Canada. So first things first. There's a St. Louis, Saskatchewan. Uh, How to get up there? I don't. That's I, the real mystery. <laughs> Uh, but it is a train uh, that runs uh, south of Prince Albert in Canada, and all of the tracks have been removed. But it's still its lights have still been seen, and they think that it it might be driven by the ghost of a drunk brakeman who lost his head to a passing train and wanders up and down the tracks with a lantern, attempting to find it. Ooh. Apparently, it's getting real uh, spooky up in here. Well, but then it got unspooky because apparently, like two years ago, a couple twelfth grade students proved, like through physics, why the train lights appear. God, science <laughs> ruining everything again. Science, why don't you just go home if you're yeah. not going to get drunk with the rest of us? Yeah, diffraction. Science. Light diffraction has basically ruined all sorts of ghostly nonsense. Will o' the wisps aren't real. I don't even know. Everything's UFOs just weather real. balloons. Ugh. Yeah. But so, Andrew, you also wanted to talk about the author of this book. I want to talk about Louise Monroe Foley because she is an onion or a parfait, depending on <laughs> which school of Shrek thought you subscribe to. <laughs> All right, so, all right. She was born October 22nd, 1933, so almost happy birthday. Born during almost. A very, born during a very spooky month, which is fitting. fitting. Yeah. Uh, she is a Canadian writer who later moved to the United States. Uh, born as Louise Monroe, and then when she got married to Donald Foley, she took his last name. Wikipedia describes this in very, in a lot of detail, despite okay. it being a thing that happens a lot. <laughs> um. She worked as a copy editor for a bunch of radio stations. She wrote articles for Writer's Digest and Christian Science Monitor. And um, after she finished her degree at California State University in 1976, she divorced David Donald Foley and turned to full-time writing um, and mostly went to kids' books. So she was the fourth author, like the fourth recurring author in the Choose Your Own Adventure series. So there's Edward Packard, R.A. Montgomery, who like founded the line. Mm-hmm. There's Richard Brightfield, mm-hmm. who also became an established writer. And then there was Louise Monroe Foley. And she wrote some some good ones. The one the one that I think we might have to come back to at some point is uh, number 65, The Mardi Gras Mystery. Ooh. Uh, she Ooh. Also, but she also did Mystery of the Sacred Stones, The Mystery of Echo Lodge, Danger at Anchor Mine and the Cobra Connection, among a few other ones. Oh, the Cobra Connection could be like really dangerous or like yeah. kind of sexy. It's like maybe. that Mupp- that Muppet song. Someday they'll find it. The, the Cobra, Cobra Connection. connection. <laughs> All right, so everything's pretty normal so far, right? Yeah, yeah, this sounds like a person that lived and wrote some books. That's true. Uh, her last book 
in the Choose Your Own Adventure series was Ghost Train. It was published no. in December 1991. Uh-oh. Uh, since that time, Foley has moved to young adult fiction with a number of books about intelligent cats. Wait, what? Now, if you go, th- this is where it takes a turn. If you go to Wikipedia and look up Louise Monroe Foley's author page, you will find some books about cats that came out mostly in the mid to late 90s and very early 2000s. Uh, most of them don't have Amazon reviews. I don't think these are standards exactly, uh, but I, I felt like I needed to tell you a little bit more about them. Uh, so she did this series of books. It has at least three books in it. It's called The Vampire Cat. Oh, no. And the first one in the series is called The Vampire Cat. My Substitute Teacher's Gone Batty. It's published in 1996. <laughs> the Amazon description reads thusly. What a week. It's bad enough that fifth grader Tracy Wilson is starting a brand new school where she doesn't have any friends. Her teacher is a grouch and gulp. It looks like she just flunked her first math test. But things get really weird when a scraggly cat jumps through the classroom window and talks to her. It seems that cat has escaped from a vampire who wants him back or else. What? Uh, vampire cat bird brain fiasco tracy wilson's life has not been the same since omar escaped from this his vampire community and adopted her as his protector now news has come through the feline underground network that the vampires want omar back and fast so far tracy has been able to outwit norman the vegetarian vampire who's trying to capture omar stop tracy thinks she has come up with the perfect plan to outsmart norman once and for all no this one does have a review Uh, it's from april 22nd 2000 it's by a customer. I don't know if that's the username or if they just are not users of the Amazon.com service anymore. This book had me rolling around with laughter for hours upon hours. That Omar, he has so many tricks up his fur. Tracy is smart in the way Stop. she protects Omar. Double thumbs up to the author. If I was to be a cat, I would want to be Omar because he is so cool. Uh, I'm not going to read the summary for the last one. You should just know that it's called The Vampire Cat, The Catnap Catastrophe. Stop. <laughs> And then there are also a couple mystery books. One is Blood, said the cat. <laughs> and it's uh, there's a, this girl named Kiki who overhears an argument. Where did this cat she, come she, from? She and her cat Pumpkin uncover oh. an art theft ring. Oh, my God. And then the other one is Poison, said the cat. And uh, Kiki's classmates fall prey to a weird rash of poisonings. And then she and Pumpkin investigate and discover a strange yearbook that could point the way to the next intended victim. So apparently some of these kids did die of poison. Good. Sounds good. Like. Great. Awesome. So yeah, she writes, uh, she writes a lot of books about cats. All right. So now we're on cat watch for this book to see how many cats she included in a book that has a dog on the cover. Yeah. Let's trace her artistic lineage and see how many cats we can find. So, the rules right. for any yeah. of our new listeners, I think, Andrew, we're going to try to stick to it as best we can, is that we get three endings. They get pretty loosey-goosey, yeah. We have we have three lives, basically. Um, and we get a mulligan or two as we need to. Uh, and if the if some of them go really fast, we'll obviously keep it going. Um, but our, our goal is to get one or two goofy endings, definitely, and then also try and... What, I don't know what we're trying to do to the ghost train yet. We'll find out. Our goal, but, of course, is to get three good endings. That's the ideal ending for us. That's Well, that's true. Three for three. Um, and Andrew and I will take turns reading what happens, and and make the other one will make the choice and then have to read what they have wrought. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we'll probably do the voices. Oh, we will do our I haven't best. even, like, the last one, before we did Space Vampire, which is our last one, I thought... I gave a lot of thoughts to the voices I would do, but I haven't really, I haven't really thought about it much. So we're just gonna see what comes out. I don't know what voice gonna, the train has. So I'll tell you that I'm I'm gonna not do Ray Romano this time. Debra, I'm a ghost train. Debra, Ray, how did you become a train? Raymond, is that his, is that his big brother or yeah. is that his mom? Oh, that's his mom. That's dead on. Good one. That's not his mom. Andrew, warning. Do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. These pages contain many different adventures that you may have as you try to solve a mystery while spending the summer on a farm in British Columbia, Canada. From time to time as you read along, you'll be asked to make a choice. Your choice may lead to success or disaster. Uh Uh-oh. 
The adventures you have are the results of your choices. You are responsible because you choose. After you make a decision, follow the instructions to find out what happens to you next. Think carefully before you act. Someone's been sabotaging the orchards late at night, and you've got to put a stop to it. <laughs> you sabotage an orchard. Your investigations may lead you to a mystery of ghosts and Indian curses. But be careful, even if you do discover who's behind the sabotage, you may not be able to save the farm. Good luck. Oh boy. Craig, I can't wait to get started, but before we do, I think we need to take a little break. Sounds good. Craig, you and me both like choosing our own adventure, but did you know that you could choose your own cooking adventure with Blue Apron? I I feel like sometimes I go on a cooking adventure that I didn't mean to because I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Help. Well, Blue Apron is going to help you out with that. They are going to send you boxes of food with recipes. Um, They cost less than $10 per meal. Um, And they can all be prepared in 40 minutes or less. So no matter which food adventure you choose, you know you're going to get something good that's tasty and does not take long to make. Craig, can you tell me a little bit about some of the food that I can get? Like if I don't want to eat red meat or if all I want to eat is vegetables, is there anything I can do? Yeah, you can turn to page 57 where you'll find broccoli casserole or a Mm -hmm. queso and pepper Arapas with a kale salad. I don't know what that is. It sounds delicious. Uh, If you do eat meat, you could get some chicken pitas with kooky yogurt sauce, zucchini, date, (laughs) and almond salad. Uh, Or you can get the fall bolognese pasta with Brussels sprouts and rosemary. Andrew, I think that the whole like idea of Brussels sprouts tasting bad Mm -hmm. is like a myth. They're delicious. That's good to know. So you should probably pick that one. You should probably turn to page 17 and pick the Brussels sprouts. Yeah, and, it's, and it's all as fun to eat as it is to say. Uh, recipes are usually between 500 to 700 calories per portion. So you're not going to get all chubby while you're eating these meals. And uh, right now, you can get your first two meals for free on us at blueapron.com slash overdue. That's blueapron.com slash overdue. Blue Apron, a better, better way to cook. all right i'm all breaked up are you breaked up yeah i'm breaked up would you like to read the first all right craig welcome back to overdue a podcast about the books you meant me to read my name's craig his name's andrew wait other way (laughs) oh wait flip it around we're under a ghost (laughs) curse we've already messed up (laughs) we freaky friday'd Yep. Um, Craig, do you want to read page one or should I? Uh, go for it. All right. So I'm going to tell you about the picture that yeah. I see on what is, I guess, page zero. I'm not sure. Yeah, sure. Um, a young boy has disembarked, I guess, from a plane and he's shaking the hand of an older man in a very, very plaid shirt. Yes. And they it's both pretty... look pretty happy about it. And also uh-huh. there's like a maple leaf. So we're in Canada, probably. Yes, there are mountains in the background. Everybody's really happy. So yeah, everyone looks definitely. really healthy. They all have definitely real good health care. Yeah, mm-hmm. good health care. Mm-hmm. Oh, getting political. <laughs> but their but their internet has an oppressive cap on top of it. Oh no! <laughs> so Uh-oh. they can't stream any movies. All right, I'm gonna apologize in advance if I can't pronounce all your weird Canada words. You and your father were ready to leave on a trip to Canada's. Okanagan Valley in British Columbia when the company he works for received a large contract and he had to cancel the vacation. The man you were going to visit, Harry Westlake, is your father's boyhood friend and he has asked your parents to let you come anyway. Tourist season has started and Harry, the owner of several orchards and a fruit stand, needs some help. Harry's great-grandparents, you have learned, were among the first settlers in the area and planted many acres in peach trees. It sounds like a lot of work, but it also promises to be fun. Your parents talked the situation over and have agreed that you can go and work for Harry for the whole summer. Now, five days later, you're on a plane flying north to Canada. A tall, thin man wearing cowboy boots and jeans meets you at Kelowna Kelowna Kelowna. Kelowna. Kelowna Airport. I'm Harry, he says, picking up your suitcase. Glad you're here. I could sure use the help. He leads you to an old station wagon out in the parking lot. Climb in. He pulls out of the parking lot and eases into the traffic flow. So this is your first trip to the Okanagan, he asks. 
my first trip to Canada. Wait, we've already did like a squeaky teen voice. What should yeah, we do? We... Like my first trip to Canada. You reply. Well, Canada is a strange name. What does it mean? Turn to page two. I'd like to note that Harry's voice aged about 50 cigarettes, like, between the first line and the Because that line of dialogue sprung out of me. I didn't realize I'd have to choose my own voice so okay. quickly. Uh, so this is Harry speaking this on page Harry two. This is Harry talking, yes. Uh, it's kind of vague, like the place of water or something. Okanagan is the name of the valley and of the lake. He grins at you. Now ask me what Kalamalka means, and I can tell you that. Kalamalka, you say? <laughs> Rolling the strange word over on your tongue. That means lake of many colors. And now ask me who Ogopogo is. Ogopogo? You're sure he's teasing you. Why are you reading right. the narration and his it voice? It carries too? the character forward. I guess. Right. Ogopogo, Harry says. And that's just his nickname. His real name is Nyatik. The Salish Indians named him. I'm going to get these wrong. I apologize. That's I, totally okay. fine. This is this guy's just yeah. showing off already, okay. obviously. It's really ridiculous. Okay, you say, grinning. You you decide that if you're going to stay with Harry all summer, you'll have to get used to some teasing. <laughs> who, who is Nautic? And what does the name mean? It means sacred creature of the water. Or if you like, lake demon. He's the local pet. Harry turns down a side road. Ahead of you, the clear blue water of a large lake reflects the afternoon sun. He lives in an underwater cave here in Lake Okanagan. You mean a sea monster, you say? You're putting me on. Nope, Harry replies seriously. Many people have seen him. Last year, some fellows from Hollywood even videotaped him. The most we know about Ogopogo is that he appears to be friendly. You stare at the lake. Does Harry really believe in sea monsters? <laughs> wonder you already know you're gonna have to get used to some teasing <laughs> old sea monster harry they called him Ugh, always joking about them sea monsters all right page three it's a big lake you say 80 miles long harry says plenty of room for a sea monster to hide so he starts big. the motor and pulls out into the road i have a fruit stand just here just <laughs> down here a ways and the house and the orchards are up that hill house is too big for me harry continues It'll be good to have you there. Give the ghost somebody new to pick on. Oh, no. Ghosts, you say? Harry grins. Well, the place is old and creaky. Some of the natives say it's haunted. He turns the station wagon onto a narrow dirt road bordered on the left by a peach orchard. Wow, you say to Harry. Are these all your trees? Not anymore, he says sadly. Used to be that everything from the highway to the foothills was Westlake land. My great-grandfather bought it from the Indians. But this part belongs to the Naldo Corporation now. This'll be its last year in fruit. What do you mean? Naldo is a development company, Harry says. They're going to tear out the trees and build condos unless I can come up with the money to buy back the land. My grandfather'd scout me if he knew I'd sold these acres. Oh, oh Harry. Turn <laughs> to page real. 52. Yeah, this is getting a little racist stuff in here. But it's a, we well, we know that they're called native native Canadians, I guess. Yeah, in this case, suppose. it's all. But they're painting this picture of like corporations versus like the trees, which I, I like. It. Enjoy. I think yeah, you got like the Naldo it. Corporation up in here causing yeah. trouble. If you don't like Naldo, why did you sell to them? You ask, holding on as the station wagon bumps over some railroad tracks that seem to have appeared out of nowhere. Oh no, I'd ghost had, train! I had. <laughs> I'd had two bad years in a row. I needed money to pay the mortgage on the rest of the land, Harry explains. Naldo would like to get all my land. They keep sending their snoops around. Do you own a railroad too, you ask, looking back at the old tracks? Harry laughs. No, that's the old <laughs> valley line. You used to run used to run through here 50 years ago. Well, there's the house. He points to a large stone and wood house up ahead. Harry pulls the station wagon into a carport. The house is three stories tall. I know. what a (laughs) That's a term. That's Canadian Uh, for a garage, I think. (laughs) Didn't know we were going to be making a bunch of Canada jokes. Oh, we're going to be making a bunch of Canada jokes. Okay. The house is three stories tall with balconies extending from some of the third floor windows. You follow him into the front hall and up the stairway to the second floor. He pushes open a door and you step into a cheerful bedroom decorated in blue and white. A fireplace on one wall faces windows across another. It's nice, you say, setting that <laughs> setting down your suitcase. I'll show you the room upstairs, too, Harry says. Hasn't been used much in the last 50 years, but you could take your pick. 
He leads you through a door at the end of the hall and up a flight of narrow stairs. The ceiling of the attic room slants with the slope of the roof, and the windows open out onto a balcony. I'm going to continue on page 53. Do it. Uh, when I was growing up, I'd often come up here and lie out on that balcony, counting the cars going by way over on the highway. My grandmother would never let me sleep in this room, oh, Man, though. he's getting jerseyer. Can't control Harry. <laughs> She thought it was haunted, but don't believe in it. Don't believe in it myself. What? Wait. Don't believe in it much myself, but to each his own, I guess. Either room's as good as the other, but it's up to you. You walk out onto the balcony as you try to make up your mind. Off to your left, an eagle soars effortlessly. Beyond the orchard <laughs> rise the majestic Rockies. The view is breathtaking. You don't believe in ghosts, and a room up in the attic would be really private. Still, there's no one else in the house. Uh, still, the other room was bigger. Maybe you should pick that one. Besides, it has a fireplace and no rumors of ghosts. Andrew, if you choose the room on the <sighs> second floor, we're going to turn to page 64. If you decide to ignore those so-called ghosts and stay in the attic anyway, turn to page 46. I ain't scared no ghosts. We're going to go page 46. But we should Addicts probably keep a, keep, feel good. keep a thumb here in All page right, 53. I'm going to put my, uh, my back <laughs> My forklift bookmark in here. I'll take the attic room, you tell Harry. If there are any ghosts up here, they'll just have to make room. Harry grins. Never met up with any myself, he says. But folks coming down the highway at night used to say they could see lights up here. In fact, a couple of them thought the place was on fire and called the fire department. It was probably just Mariana, though. Who's Mariana? You suspect that Harry is teasing you again. Mariana was a Salish Indian girl who lived in the valley about a hundred years ago. She fell in love with one of the farm boys, and they were going to get married. Problem was, the tribe didn't approve, and the family of the farm boy didn't like it much either. What did they do? Well, the tribe got to her first. They set her adrift out on Lake Okanagan in a canoe. Did she die? You ask, horrified. (laughs) Harry smiles. No, my great-grandmother got wind of it. She went out on the lake, found Mariana, and brought her back here. That took courage, you say? Yes, says <laughs> Harry. Great-grandma was from the Shushwap tribe. <laughs> Her own marriage to a white man, my great-grandfather, had worked. She thought the sailors should give the young couple a chance. Turn to page 10. Man, we are all over the place. Did Mariana and the farm boy get married after that? You ask Harry. No, he replies. When they found out that Mariana was here, the boy's family and friends came over screaming and yelling. Demanding that my great-grandparents send her back to the tribe. But instead, they hid her up here in this room while they tried to hide her fiancé with no success. They later learned that his uncle took him to Vancouver and signed him on on as a deckhand on a freighter bound for Mexico. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Harry walks out onto the balcony. This is the only reminder that's left, he says, squatting by the wrought iron railing. You notice that the metal is misshapen as if it had been a fire. What happened? You ask. Oh, Folks got nasty, Harry says. Forget about it. You get yourself unpacked and come on downstairs. Supper will be ready soon. See, Harry's, Harry's normally so into giving you the details that I kind yeah. of, I don't he like is, that he just alighted over that. Like something that is deliberately broken and messed yeah. up. And he's like, oh, I don't worry about it. Ooh, we found a picture. Uh-oh. It's of a young native, a native Canadian girl telling who I assume is you. Do we have a name yet? No. We're not like Osprey, not like the Space Boy from no, Space Vampire. No, I don't Vampire. think we have a name. Right uh, now, our name's our name's Chuck, unless we get another name. Canada Chuck. Canada Can, Canada Chuck. All right. Page twenty-one. You that night you take your pillow and blanket out to the balcony and lie down. For a long time, you count cars on the highway in the distance. Then you fall asleep. You've no idea how long you've slept when you sense that someone is near. You sit up and see a young woman wearing a headband and a cloth tunic standing beside you. Her long black hair reaches to her waist. Hurry, you must come with me, she says urgently. (laughs) Are you dreaming or is this really Mariana? What should you do? If you go with her, will you be safe? Perhaps you'd better stay. If only you'd ask Harry what he meant when he said, Folks got nasty. (laughs) He was talking about something else, I think. If you go with the Indian woman, turn to page 107. If you refuse, turn to page 38. Oh, we are going with the Indian woman. All right, 107 it is. Now, if you you have veto power over any one of my voices, let's establish that as a new ground rule. Okay. 
<laughs> Can you give me Mariana again real quick? I think it was just like a, up, up here somewhere. <laughs> okay, great. Oh, this is going to be a fun page. Mm-hmm. Are you Mariana? <laughs> you ask, standing up to follow her. Yes, she replies softly. Come with me, Herbie. You pull on a pair of jeans over your pajamas. Why wouldn't you take your pajamas off? It's cold. It's Canada. Uh, Mariana leads you down the two flights of stairs to the ground floor and out through the back entrance. As you follow her along the side of the house, you notice that Harry's station wagon is gone. In its place is an old farm wagon. Wait a minute, you say. Where are we going? To find my beloved, she says. <laughs> Suddenly you are both seized from behind. You twist around to look and see that your captors are two Indian braves. Two more Indians lead horses from the bushes. Mariana speaks to the men sharply, but you don't understand her words or their replies. They tie her hands and then yours and force you to mount the horses. With a brave seated, oh, with a brave seated behind each of you, you gallop off in the direction of Lake Okanagan. Okanagan? Okanagan. Okanagan, we'll say. Okanagan. More Indians await you at the shore of the lake. Swiftly and without discussion, you and Mariana are taken from the horses, put in a canoe hollowed from a tree trunk, and set adrift on the lake. Apparently you could tell that just from looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Clouds cover the moon and stars, and a stiff wind off the Rockies stirs up waves that move the canoe further and further out onto the lake. Uh, back on shore, your Indian captors are chanting and singing around a bonfire. Oof, this is going to get rough. <laughs> Turn to page 76. All right. Page 76. Above the sound of the wind and the waves, you hear Mariana crying softly. <laughs> Don't cry, Mariana, you say. We have to think of a way out of this mess. There is no way out, she says. <laughs> My love is gone. His people have sent him to the end of the world where the water is deep and continues forever. You guess from her description that she's talking about the coast and the Pacific Ocean. Whoa. Uh, I'm sorry, you say. Large waves are rocking the canoe and the cold lake water is splashing in. Mariana, we have to free ourselves before we capsize. Turn around so I can reach the bindings on your wrists. Mariana pivots around until your fingers can reach the ropes. You struggle with the wet knots. The rough hemp scrapes the skin from your fingers, but you finally manage to release her hands. Then you turn around and she unties yours. You grew up by this lake, you say. Where is there a cove? We must find shelter. The storm is getting worse. We have no paddle, she says. (laughs) We'll paddle with our hands, you say. Knowing as you say it that hand paddling is not going to get you very far. (laughs) Rain pelts down as a boat is tossed on the waves. Only Nahatiak can save us. Mariana says. Abruptly, she stands up. I call on you, oh sacred creature of the water. Turn to page 58. Will do. Yeah, so we've time traveled at this point, right? That's that's my guess, that Harry's station wagon was turned into some sort of horse-drawn carriage. And when now, we time traveled. Yeah, we've time traveled. Okay. Sit down, you yell. You're, <laughs> you're going to tip the boat. But your warning comes too late. The canoe flips over and you are thrown into the cold, churning lake. You flail in the water for a moment, then tread water as you look around for Mariana. Mariana! You call, squinting through the darkness. The water is cold and you struggle to keep yourself afloat. To your right, you make out the overturned canoe. Mariana is clinging to the hull. You swim toward her and grasp the side. Are you all right? You ask. The great Nautic has saved us, Mariana says. You mean... Eh. Ogopogo? I mean, I think the, the, you could swim saved you. <laughs> your legs. Your legs yeah. and this yeah. canoe. Maybe that's what Nahatik means. <laughs> it means swimming. Yeah. <laughs> you mean Ogopogo, you mutter, remembering what Harry told you. I'm not sure he had anything to do with it. You must not say that, Mariana says, or the Great One will take back his benevolence. You'll forget how to swim, I suppose. Mm -hmm. You start to argue the point, but are interrupted by her shout. Look, a rowboat! Help, you yell. We're over here. As the rowboat comes closer, you can see that its occupant is an Indian woman. She pulls up alongside and helps the two of you into the boat. She and Mariana exchange a few words in Indian dialect, then she turns (laughs) to you. Uh, The, the, wait, who is It's us, this is Mariana. Wait, is it? Or wait, maybe it's the Indian woman. The great Nahatik has looked on you with favor. I don't know about Ogopogo, the water monster, you say with a grin, but it sure was handy having that overturned canoe close enough to hang on to. Turn to page 91, Andrew. All right. 
Now that voice you're doing is like a pizza planet kind of. Yeah, it comes out of the side of your mouth a little yeah. bit. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Hold on. 91? Yeah. Whoa, a plesiosaur. <laughs> Do that voice for me again. Hey, I'm talking to you. Out over here, you might think that this voice has more of an accent than it does, but it kind of just comes out of your. It just comes out of your right cheek, and you don't change how you say your R's. Canoe, like that. Canoe, little, little, little less rough. Less canoe. There you go. Canoe. The Indian woman repeats, "Your canoe sank." No, you reply. We hung on to the hull until you arrived. As you turn around to point toward the canoe, you let out a gasp. Silhouetted against the pale light of the dawn is the awesome shape of a sea serpent. You stare at it, aware now that you must have been clinging to one of its many protrusions, mistaking it for the hollowed-out log canoe. Ogopogo, you say quietly as everything turns dark. There really is an Ogopogo. When you open your eyes, you find yourself lying on the balcony. Harry is standing in the doorway, grinning at you. Ogopogo, is it? Well, right now it's time for breakfast, Harry says. <laughs> but we can go to Lake Okanagan and check out Okapogo this afternoon. Maybe we'll rent a canoe. No thanks, you say. I don't think I want to be out there on anything smaller than a freighter. The end. Okay. So we didn't die, but we didn't save the farm. We didn't save. The, we didn't really do much. And I guess it was all a dream. Yeah, that's really hard to tell. Which means we can change those voices. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you want to go back to? I could go back all the way to what room we choose. To 53? All right. You want to choose a room on the second floor? Yes. All right. Turn to page 64. This is all all you, buddy. Great. I'll take the room on the second floor, you tell Harry. I've never had a fireplace in my bedroom before. (laughs) Neither have I. That sounds super dangerous. Six hours till he burns the house down. Like, at the most. (laughs) The orchard with it as well. The whole thing goes. (laughs) Harry chuckles as you go back downstairs. Back when my great-grandfather built this house, fireplaces were the only heat they had. He opens the door to the blue and white room. This was his favorite room. My grandfather's, too. I think they liked it because they could see so much of the estate from here. The grandfather spent hours at that window squinting into those binoculars. A phone rings downstairs, and Harry goes out to the hall. Get unpacked, he says. I'll see what Mrs. Winters has planned for supper. You close the door and look around. On the fireplace hearth is an old coal oil lantern, just like one you saw in a railroad museum once. Good to have in case a storm cuts off the power, you think. You go to the window. The afternoon sun outlines the mountains beyond the orchards to the west. I don't. Would a railroad museum be cool, Andrew? I think a railroad museum could be like part of a bigger museum. Yeah, probably. Yeah. How are you going to get all those? How are you going to get enough cool train cars in one place? It's going to be difficult. I don't know. Someone comes out from behind a shed that stands behind the house and the orchard. You pull aside the curtains and pick up the binoculars for a better look. It's a woman dressed in a long skirt with a band of cloth around her forehead, and she's holding a wicked looking knife. Oh, man. Maybe he's from Boston. <laughs> maybe. It's a wicked looking knife. You can't say, I don't think knife changes in a Boston accent. No, I guess not. No. The woman squats down and digs a hole in the clearing. She appears to be burying something. But what? Could she be one of the Naldo Corporation troublemakers that Harry told you about? Yeah, definitely a Naldo Corporation troublemaker. Yeah, totally. They all carry knives. Uh, Turn to page 23, Andrew. Harry! You yell, racing downstairs. (laughs) There's a strange woman burying something out in the back by the shed. She's got a knife. She may be one of the Naldo people. Harry grins. Dressed in Indian garb, he asks. You nod. That's Belinda, he says. She lives out there. Lives there, you say. But what's she burying? Who knows, he says. She buries (laughs) things out there and chants over them, but I don't pay much attention. Come, meet Mrs. Winters. Yeah, that lady in my backyard just puts stuff in the ground and I don't really worry about it. It's totally fine. Mrs. Winters, Harry's cook and housekeeper, lives in town and commutes to Harry's every weekday. Weekdays, you're on your own, she announces as she takes off the big white apron that covers her short, plump body. Harry's a rotten cook, she says, grinning. I suggest you order in pizza on the weekends. You and Harry eat supper in a breakfast room off the kitchen. 
Tell me about Belinda, you say to him. Oh, she's kind of a strange one, Harry says. I feel sorry for her. Some of the town ladies decided once she was a threat to the community and needed custodial care, which meant locking her up in the township medical facility. Whoa. So they got up a petition. What happened, you ask? Turn to page 42. They sent her on a document to get this lady locked up? Mrs. Winters left way too quickly. Uh, Yeah, I want more of her. I suggest you order a pizza on weekends, (laughs) darling. Uh, Couldn't make it stick. They couldn't find a next of kin to commit her, and she wasn't threatening anyone. Only thing against her was that she was living on a township land in an old lean-to. Is that against the law? (laughs) Yup. So I offered her the picker's cabin on my property. Couldn't stand to see her locked up on a technicality. I also gave her a job working in the fruit stand. Well, she certainly is weird, you say. Still suspicious of the old woman's strange behavior. Harry grins. We're all weird in our own way, he says. Belinda is shoe swap. A tribe from up north of here. She's one of the last shamans around. She inherited her grandfather's powers when he died. What kind of powers, you ask? And what's a shaman? You know what a shaman is, you stupid idiot. Has he never played, like, D&D? Come on, Chuck. Come on, Chuck. A shaman is sort of like a witch doctor. Harry tells you. They can cure people or put curses on them. Or put curses on people, you say skeptically. (laughs) I don't believe it. (laughs) Once you've seen it, you'll believe it, Harry replies. (laughs) A few years back, I saw a logger in Kamloops. (laughs) That's a place, by the way. She's showing off all the Canada places she knows. I saw a logger in Kamloops who had tried to strangle a young brave with his bare hands. The logger didn't kill him, but he messed up his throat enough that the brave couldn't talk anymore. Well, the brave's uncle was a shaman, and he put a curse on that logger. What kind of curse, you ask? Turn to page 68. This is like, Harry keeps telling stories, and then we have to turn to the next page to find out. At least he didn't put a curse on the porter, am I right? Hey! Or on the, the pale ale. It's only on the logger. Only on the logger. Get it, beard, beard jokes. He put a curse on the logger's hands, Harry says. The fellow's hands got all crippled up, with fingers bent in and knuckles stiff, in a position like he was about to strangle somebody. He can't move his fingers, can't work his job, can't pick anything up, can't even feed himself. So don't you go poo-pooing a shaman's curse. <laughs> they can be powerful. Harry changes the subject and starts talking about the orchards and the fruit stand, but your mind keeps returning to the woman by the shed and the strange powers that Harry talked about. What in the world was Belinda burying? As you finish your supper, Harry says, Think I'll go out to the West Orchard after supper to check the irrigation pipe. Do you want to come along? You think for a minute. You do want to see the orchard, but you'd also like to keep an eye on this Indian witch doctor to try to find out what she buried. And then at the bottom of the page is just a box of peaches. <laughs> if you if you go if you go with Harry, turn to page fifty nine. If you stay at the house, turn to page eighty. I don't. Want, I feel like that book is trying to tell me what to do. I don't want to listen to the book. I don't want to go see those peaches. I would like to stay at the house and turn and to page eighty. Let's. Do you want to put a? You want to put a finger in this page? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. Want some more of Mrs. What's her name? Oh, Mrs. Hufflepuff. Or Mrs. Whatever. Winters. Yeah. Oh, darling, you simply must try the crumpets I found at the Kroger's. <laughs> Why is that British nanny shopping at Kroger's? The affordable prices, darling. You won't believe the deli meats they have on sale. <laughs> I just get a hundred more points on my Kroger Plus card, and I get a free pie. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last time you shopped at Kroger? I don't know. It's since we moved from Ohio. Yes, I yeah, I suppose. I don't think they have points. Are you Googling that right now? No. Yes, you are. No. I'm watching you speed read Kroger facts no, right now. I'm not reading any Kroger facts. All right, we're on page 80, right? Yeah, oh, we're on page this, 80. Look at this kid. Is it my turn? Yeah, it is. All right. <clears throat> so I'm on. Uh, just next to page 80, there is a shot of Chuck here uh, wearing all white, 
I would guess. <laughs> well, I mean, this, this book isn't in color. <laughs> He's also not... digging in the white dirt surrounded by white grass and white bushes and like a white skirt. Yeah. Sure, oh, I think whatever. I think that's Belinder's thing. Oh, behind him. Yes, yeah. yes. And the, the wicked looking knife is stabbed into the ground. I think I'll stay here and finish unpacking, you say to Harry. Suit yourself. He gets up from the table and leaves. <laughs> apparently offended i'm not digging harry harry's not my favorite character in this book it sucks he convinced Uh, his boyhood friend to send you chuck up to canada lawless canada to work for free for him all summer i mean i guess like room and board but that's dumb i can get that at home there's been no like oh man if i make it through this summer i can buy a nintendo like there's nothing What's the carrot at the end of the stick for us? Yeah, like it's 1991. Kids should at least want a Sega Genesis. No kid should want a Sega Genesis. Come on. Well, listen, everybody has to be that one kid who has a Sega Genesis. Like you, like but, everyone, every friend group needs that one kid. But do you want to be that kid who sp- that one kid who both spent your summer in Canada and wants a Sega Genesis? Oh, nobody's gonna like that kid. No. <laughs> Come on. Where'd you get that Genesis? Uh, Down the street. Not from Canada, Uh, totally. Canada? Nope. Definitely bought it in America for America money. (laughs) You watch from the window until Harry drives down the orchard road. Then you hurry outside. You don't believe any of that shaman's curse nonsense that Harry was talking about. But you are curious about what Belinda was burying. I think you believe it a little bit. Yeah, probably a little bit. You approach the picker's cabin cautiously. It seems to be deserted. You go to the place where you saw Belinda digging and drop to your knees. You dig with your hands for several minutes, but you don't uncover anything. You know she buried something right at this spot. Just then a gleam of silver flashes in front of you. Belinda's knife! It's suddenly embedded in the ground, inches from your hands. You turn. Belinda is standing behind you. Beside her, dancing on a patch of bare ground, is a strange golden light. What is that? You ask apprehensively. You know it's some sort of trick, but it's very spooky. Spooky! It's spooktober. The ancestral spirit come to reclaim the land, she says. I don't believe in spirits, you say, following the bobbling light with your eyes. It moves closer. You shrink away. Turn to page 92, Andrew. I don't believe in spirits, you repeat, staring at the light, hypnotized. Suddenly the light leaps towards you. You feel heat as it brushes your arm. Get it away from me, you yell hysterically, (laughs) flailing at the ball of light with your hands. Calm down, calm down, Harry's voice booms out in the dark. He grabs your shoulders and shakes you. Calm down, who are you yelling at? Belinda, you scream. Make her take those lights away. Belinda went into town an hour ago, Harry says. What lights are you talking about? It's black as pitch outside. At that point, you realize that you're in your room upstairs. But how did you get there? You, didn't, you don't sleep well that night or the next one, and you're so nervous in the daytime that you're not much help to Harry. After a week, you reach a mutual decision that you should return home, <laughs> which means that Harry kicked you out. Months later, the golden dancing lights that have been haunting you finally disappear from your mind. However, the red feather-shaped scar on your arm where the dancing light burned you never disappears. And although you don't know what happened, you know you'll never again deny the possibility of a spirit world. What? The end. Is that what I'll know? Yeah. You know. You know, you'll never again deny the possibility of a spirit world. That's what, what yeah, okay. Yeah, you know. You know. <laughs> Couldn't hack it in Canada, but I believe that there's a spirit world. You can't hack it in Canada. Why would why would he even let you back into the United oh States? <laughs> I'm sorry, Canada. We're I'm sorry, our northern neighbors. We really have no we have no grounds to be making fun of anybody down no, here. No, we really don't. I would actually wouldn't mind hanging out in Canada for a while. Yeah, um, I've thought, I've, we've all thought about it. So I'm I'm gonna go back to our previous mulligan, Andrew, with the box of peaches. Is this our last one? Page sixty-eight. We'll see. We'll I think see. technically that was three endings already, but whatever. I thought we it was only one. two. We, did, we I think it was through. We had the plesiosaur. We had well. No, that was only two. I swear we had another one, but okay, sure. All right. We're going to go with Harry to page 59. Okay. He asked us to come check the irrigation pipe, if you recall. Boy, I hope he tells us some more stories. That would be great. Uh, Yeah, seems like it. 
Sure, I'll come along. I'd like to see the orchard, you tell Harry. After dinner, you help Harry load some plastic piping and tools into an old Jeep. (laughs) Soon you're bouncing over rutted trails, leading through the orchards, heading toward the farthest lot. There's more railroad tracks, you say, holding onto the seat. Are these tracks connected to the ones we crossed on the way in? Yup. The valley line ran right through here. Tracks all overgrown now. Like I said before, the line hasn't been used for 50 years. Maybe longer. My dad used to tell me that when he was a boy, he'd listen for the steam engine whistle and then run to wave at the engineer. Where did the line run, you ask? Up to Sycamouse. All the growers shipped their produce out on the valley line. More dependable than what we got now, if you ask me. What do you mean? The truckers. Harry oh, says. Those truckers. Oh, the world's always changing those for Harry. Mother truckers. <laughs> They're threatening to strike again. Of course, if the trucking companies would pay him a decent wage, those fellows wouldn't have to strike. But no matter who's to blame, if there's a strike, I'll lose everything. Everything? You ask? You mean the peach crop? I mean everything. Who's growing peaches in Canada? Harry repeats. Harry? <laughs> yeah, good answer. <laughs> Orchard's house. Orchard's house. Everything. If I lose the crop, I can't pay the mortgage. If I don't pay the mortgage, Naldo has an option on the whole place. Turn to page 82. God, why did he sell out to Naldo? Like, he's acting like he's just a victim of circumstance, but he's the one who sold his his inheritance for a song or whatever. Well, maybe maybe Mr. Naldo came around and was like, nice peach trees here. Be a shame if something happened to them. I'm Bob Naldo. <laughs> And I want to buy your peach trees. No, I'll, if we come up to Bob, Bob Naldo, I'll pick a different voice for him. You're, why are you Sean's dad from Boy Meets World? I don't know. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Rick and Morty. Oh, okay. And you've, right. got, you've definitely got like a Rick thing going on in your Harry. <laughs> All right. Harry breaks, and this is page 82, right? Yeah. Harry breaks and the Jeep bounces to a stop. Give me a hand, he says, hoisting a length of pipe from the rack on the Jeep. <laughs> that line over there is cracked. Ooh, it's like a crack crack pipe. Yep, yeah, get it? Crack pipe, yep. Ooh, you watch as he drops to his knees on the soggy ground, slices out the damaged pipe, and glues in a new joint and section. Ooh, a joint. Huh? Yeah. He slides is- the damaged piece towards you. <laughs> Put it on the rack. You and Harry check two more spots and then head back to the house. A small bonfire is burning near the spot where Belinda was digging earlier, and she is on her knees beside it, bowing back and forth and chanting. What's she doing? You whisper to Harry. Don't know, don't care, he says. If she wants to tell us, she will. What do you think she's buried out there tonight, you ask, unwilling to let the subject drop? That's her business, not ours, says Harry, steering the jeep into the barn. Our business is this pipe. He takes the pipe off the rack and lays it on a workbench under a fluorescent light. Just what I thought, he says, turning it over. What? You ask. It's not cracked, says Harry. This isn't weather stress. This pipe's been cut. Who'd want to do that? You ask as Belinda's knife flashes into your mind. The people who want my land, Harry replies grimly. Where are we going? 62. Sorry. 62. I, I was just flipping. It's okay. <laughs> Page 62. There's another box of pieces. <laughs> Did they just use that whenever they needed to fill some space? <laughs> it's the same box, too. <laughs> I don't get it, you say to Harry. How would cutting a few pipes help someone get your land? If those no. if those trees don't get water during the critical period, there'll be no crop. Controlled watering is the only way. Why don't we take turns watching for trespassers at night? Harry pats your shoulder. It's a good idea, he says, but I've got miles of irrigation pipe out there. It would take an army to watch it. We'll just have to spot check. Don't patronize me, Harry. You don't think it's a good idea. He thinks it's a terrible idea. I can watch from my room at night with those binoculars. Harry nods. It couldn't hurt, he says. (laughs) (laughs) He locks the barn door. Straight up trolling you. Yeah, kid. (laughs) Stay up with your binoculars. That's a huge help. Because what I could really use is a kid who hasn't gotten any sleep to help me dig cut pipes out of the ground. He locks the barn door and the two of you walk to the house. Belinda has disappeared and the bonfire is now ashes. Do you think Belinda might have cut the pipe? You ask. Harry looks at you quickly. No, he says. Why in the world would she want to do that? 
Well, you said this was the land that originally belonged to her tribe. I thought that maybe... The whole land belonged to the Indians, Harry says. Not just my land. Belinda's got no reason to sabotage me. I'll check for other cut pipes in the morning. You come with me or work in the fruit stand. You're not convinced that Belinda isn't behind the sabotage. If you work in the fruit stand, you'll have a chance to size her up. Ooh. And maybe prove that she's the culprit. But the irrigation system is extensive, and Harry could probably use your help checking those pipes. Andrew... If you go with Harry, turn to page 26. But if you want to work at that fruit stand, you turn to page 39. I like how fixated we are with this knife. Like, surely that is the only cutting implement within 50 miles. <laughs> like, nobody else could have cut that pipe with anything. Nothing. I'm I'm sick of Harry. I want to work in a fruit stand. I want to go to page okay. 39. Okay. <clears throat> I'll work in the fruit stand, you say to Harry. Will Belinda be there? God, kid, come on. <laughs> Get with it. <laughs> yes, says Harry. Will that be a problem? No, you say. This could be your chance to find out what she's up to, you figure. The next morning, Harry drives you over to the fruit stand. He introduces you to Belinda and then leaves. You turn to Belinda. Harry says you're a member of the Shushwap tribe, you say. Belinda nods. What would you do for Belinda? Yeah. Kind of sultry. Well, that was the other universe, Belinda, where she burned your arm. I suppose you could change her, but I did like no, a. No, sul- I think we. I want like to keep a, the characterization. Like a like a sultry, airy kind of thing. Yes, my people live north of here. I did not see. I do not see them much. Harry says you can put curses on people. Belinda smiles. <laughs> the more one talks about what one can do, she says, the less one is able to do. But can you? You ask curiously. Can you put a curse on me? Why Belinda is turns Chuck away from like you. hard up to get a curse put on him? God, could you just come me with your knife and put a curse <laughs> on me already? Belinda turns away from you and looks off toward the mountains. Spells are only cast with the blessing of the sacred spirits, she says. We mortals do nothing by ourselves. I think it's a bunch of hooey, you say. Hocus pocus, <laughs> mumbo jumbo. <laughs> Belinda turns to wait on a tourist. Are you staying in town? She asks the man. I'm at the big motel up on a hill, he replies. <laughs> As you pick, I assume we will never see this character again, which is why oh, I, I chose the so. worst voice in the whole world for him. <laughs> As you pick up a wooden flat to move it, you wonder why Belinda is being so talkative for a change. Suddenly, you feel a sting on your hand. Ouch, you yell. Something bit me. Turn to page 112. 112. Oh, man, that's a wicked bite. Whoa! He got bit by a dog. I don't like a peach, like a peach dog. Yeah, there's an illustration. We have not seen hide nor hair of a ghost train yet. I just want to bring that up. I know. You stare at your hand. It's beginning to swell. Help me! You yell, panicking. I must be allergic to whatever bit me. You turn to Belinda. Look at Belinda in this picture. She just looks over it. You did this, you say. You put a curse on me, didn't you? I could die. You're evil. Oh, God, Chuck. Your whole arm is swelling now, and your skin is beginning to turn blue. You're having difficulty breathing. Belinda ignores your accusations and turns to the tourist. Oh, he's still here. Can you help? She asks the man calmly. I'll get my bag, he says, (laughs) rushing rushing to his car. You watch with relief. What a lucky break. The man buying fruit is a doctor. The doctor gives you two injections, and your breathing almost immediately becomes easier, and the swelling starts to recede. After he drives away, you turn to Belinda. It's a good thing that the doctor was here when you made that bug bite me, you say angrily. What a lucky coincidence. JFC, kid. Belinda stares back at you. You will learn, she says, that there is no such thing as coincidence. Coincidence is the way the spirits stay anonymous. Are you saying that you arranged to have that doctor here, you ask? The more one talks about what one can do, Belinda repeats, the less one is able to do. I just, I again want to draw, and I'm sorry that our listeners cannot see this, this picture of Belinda, she's standing, her face says, I'm over it. She's got a knife in her belt. (laughs) She's standing at a produce stand. Like, you're going to come up to this produce stand, which sells only peaches, apparently, and buy some from this lady with a knife buy these peaches or I'll cut you is and what this, her face says. Yeah, and this kid who can't stop talking about curses. Ugh. All right, page 14. Page 14. I hope the tourist is back. Let's find this ghost train. Come on. Later that day, you walk up the hill to the motel where the doctor is staying. You want to thank him and ask him a few questions about the bite. You go to the office. 
What unit is the doctor in? You asked the manager. Fuzz, I know. There's no doctor here. <laughs> but I know there is, you tell her. He's driving the big silver olds out there. He saved my life this morning. You must have him mixed up with someone else, sugar, she says. <laughs> that car belongs to a salesman. Computer passes his line. Look, there he is now, getting into the car. It's the same man, you say. I know it is. You open the door. Doctor, doctor, you yell. But he gets into his car without even turning his head. He's not a doctor, the manager says. I told you. He must look like the doctor. He must just look like the doctor you want. It's just a coincidence. I don't think so, you reply slowly. There is no such thing as coincidence. You say goodbye to the manager. As you hurry back down the hill, you think of how you're going to apologize to Belinda for doubting her power is the end. Oh, man. We st- no trains. No trains. No ghosts. I mean, I guess there might have been ghosts. Like, if you go page 28, like, there's a big picture of a ghost train and, like, a dog and a shotgun and stuff. Whoa. <laughs> Where is this? How did we get here? Wait, there's another character named Chuck in this. Wait, book. <laughs> who's actually Chuck? <laughs> well, whoever Chuck is sh- shoots you and kills you. <laughs> Man, we got the short end of this ghost train stick. Oh my god! There's another. I saw another image where a jeep has like rolled over Harry. And Harry is trapped under a jeep. Oh no, Harry! I think we actually. Missed our- I did not like Harry very much. Yeah. All right. Well, good riddance, Harry. I always thought that maybe like I don't I don't know why we would return, but every one of these choose your own adventures, we leave so much ground uncovered that we could do a whole another episode. Yeah, I think so. Apparently, in another page, Chuck is barreling down on you in a car while book, you're guarding book, book Chuck. Yeah, book. Ch- well, if this, I'd known there was another yes. version of Chuck, I wouldn't have named our character Chuck. Book Chuck is bearing down on you in a car while you guard a bunch of peaches, as well as the ghost train is coming after you. Oh, no. So I don't know, man. I don't know how we were supposed to find that stuff. We chose the wrong adventures. There were some chose- other paths. There are other paths we could have taken. Two but paths just, diverged next to Chuck, and I and chose I the path. I took the one without a ghost train. Without a ghost train. <laughs> Listen, we're responsible because we choose, after we make a decision, follow the instructions to find out what happens to you next. We didn't save the orchard, Andrew. We didn't, but we didn't, like, do anything. We didn't make it worse. No, I suppose not. We didn't we help just, Harry we, with his irrigation just, mystery. We harassed a native woman. Mm-hmm. And we maybe time traveled, maybe just had a weird dream. Not quite sure which one it was. Yeah, we did eat. We did eat. We did meet Nessie while she was on vacation in mm-hmm. in Canada. Canada. Yeah, everyone takes vacations in Canada. That's it's the hip thing right now. Uh, so I guess if you think if you'd like to tell us what pages you would have gone to in this book. <laughs> Uh, and maybe in the future we can figure out a way for to crowdsource our choices in these books. We'd have uh, to do it. We'd have to do like a live recording. I still think there's a way that we could we could do it. I mean the the, the podcasting platform that we that we use supports live live shows. So if maybe next okay. maybe next time we maybe next time we choose some adventures we need to like make it a thing. Okay, if you would if you think that's a cool idea, you can email us at overduepod at gmail.com. I want to thank Nick and Christine who wrote in this week. Christine pointed out, uh, well, she didn't point out, she thanked us for our Fifty Shades episode, which caused Andrew and I to realize that our next Fifty Shades episode is going to drop sometime around Christmas. So you're welcome. <laughs> Happy holidays from us to you. Uh, if uh, if you'd like to choose our adventure on Facebook or Twitter, you can do that at facebook.com slash overdue pod or twitter.com slash overdue pod. I want to thank Rachel, uh, Tessa, Sophie, Margaret, Catherine, Alicia, John at the Bold Signals podcast, which is a pretty cool podcast to listen to this week. He was tweeting at us. Uh, Bob Zim, Daniela, Adam, Ducky McDuck, Jeremy St. Onge, Matthew Michael, Graham, Aaron, Bovin, J. Deep, AJ West, Nick, Jocko Lee, Vinny, uh, oh, and that's Nick and Christine again. Great. So thanks, everyone, for doing that. It helps spread the word about the show because people see you doing your thing on social media. It's 
shows people us doing our thing on social media. It's a whole social media party. Andrew, if people are sick and tired of social media, where could they go to find out more about the show? They could just go to our regular non-social website at www.overduepodcast.com. Up there, they will find links to iTunes and Stitcher and RSS, all the places you can subscribe to the show. If you subscribe in iTunes, please do leave a rating or a review. That leaves us... Uh, wait, let me try again. That <laughs> that helps us that helps us rise in the rankings and helps more people find the show. And it also just makes us feel good, which don't don't after what you just heard, don't we deserve to feel good? I think we do. Don't you think? Uh, you can also find links to our Patreon page, which is a place where you can go pledge a little bit of money per month to help support the show. Uh, you can find Amazon links to the books that we have read, the ones that we are going to read. If you click those and buy the books, we get a small cut of that. And you will also find a link to HeadGum, which is the podcast network that we are a part of. You can go to HeadGum.com to find out more about our network, the shows that are on that network. And yeah, so far they've been they've been pretty good to us. And we are we are enjoying being a part of that network quite a bit. So yeah, go and go and support them. Go help them out because they're helping us out. And we've heard from quite a few of you who have found the show through HeadGum, and we're just really, really happy to be part of this thing that helps us get the show out to more people. We're right chuffed about it. We're right chuffed. Craig, Spooktober continues for another two spooky weeks after this, so let's talk about what we are reading. How's that sound? That sounds great. Does I that can sound say spooky? that it's not spooky because it's not too surprising. But anyway, I'm going to be reading Rebecca. Andrew, what are you going to be reading? I'm going to be reading The Amityville Horror by Jay Anson. I'm going to read that for next week, and then Craig's going to read Rebecca for the week after that. And then for our bonus episode this month, we're planning a little something spooky and special. So look forward to that. Hopefully we will actually get it out on the main feed during the month that it is the bonus episode for. Yeah, the way those work, if you are a Patreon supporter, uh, you have helped make those bonus episodes happen, so you get to listen to them a week early, uh, and then you can kind of look all super cool with your friends and your internet friends and brag about how you heard what we did before anybody else. Yeah, I have overdue. What do you have? Nothing. That's what you can say. (laughs) So uh, look forward to that, and I think that's it. I'm looking forward to a spooky month. I was not quite spooked though i don't like the idea that i got like a a will of the wisp burn on my arm i'm not into that we could have gotten more spooked i think if we had chosen other adventures um then the last thing i want to say is that if you heard last week's episode with Catherine van arendonk you know that she and i are two-thirds of a tv podcast called appointment television uh you can find out more about that show at atvpodcast.com but if you like our deal and you also like tv I think that that podcast will scratch a lot of itches for you. So Yeah, you itchy, itchy person. Yeah, you're so itchy. Get, scratch that itch. Put some aloe on that. Use some sesame oil. <laughs> All right, everybody. Until next week, choose to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.